Hi, and welcome to Coco Disaster, the world's most anime podcast. I'm Chorpsaway. And I'm Zane Zero. And we're back for our seasonal coverage, because this time we're talking about the upcoming fall 2017 season. And I gotta say, just like from the early impressions I'm getting from these PVs and stuff, this is probably the most exciting season of the year. Also one of the most sequel-filled. Yeah, it's it's full of sequels, and it's just... I, I feel like it's stuffed with more kind of interesting stuff, where it's like... I feel like when winter started, it was kind of a slow start. Like, not a lot of great shows coming out. And as the year's gone, it's built up until fall, where, you know, it's like... I started struggling to be like, oh, well, I should only watch this many shows because I only have so much free time. But, like, having to actually, like you know, dabble with what I want to actually keep up with and what I want to keep my eye on. It seems like this one is a little more packed than in previous seasons. Yeah, I can see that. There's a lot of really good stuff coming out. Yeah, there are some that I'm just, like, way excited for and stuff that just really feels like sort of, like, you know, tail end of the year, sort of, like, uh, AOD um, material. Or continuations of Audi and of of Audi stuff. Yeah, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so before we get into that, there's just a there have been a a bunch of announcements sort of throughout this season that I want to give um, time to. And the first one is that they're actually giving Lupin the Third a fifth anime series. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah, so, like, what, part four came out, what, it was the tail end of 2015 into the beginning of 2016, and part four was sort of, like, it was, like, partially funded by Italy to sort of, like, talk about the, you know, Italian culture and scenery and stuff, and so they put this whole thing together as, like, a revival, and it was really good. It, I, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, if I remember right, the, uh, the dub's airing now. Yeah, the dub, I think, is airing now on Adult Swim, and just, it's like, it it was a great sort of revival of Lupin with sort of like a, with some newer sensibilities, sort of, you know, with this huge break, it kind of fits its way as feeling classic, but also as a distinctly, like, sort of like 2015, 16 anime with like a plot, you know, a driving force behind everything. It was cool. And so they're making this fifth series which is going to take place in France, which is the home of, like, uh, the, the namesake of Lupin and, you know, uh, canonically his grandfather, the um, Arsene Lupin, from the, uh, from the book series by, what is it, uh, Maurice LeBlanc? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, that's cool because that also gives us sort of this, this difference because the first three were so kind of, kind of Japan-focused. Not only do we get this Italian one, we also get this French one that ties back to his roots and maybe will get more of a story based on sort of the, you know, chasing that legendary status of the original Thief Lupin. And maybe he'll steal the Mona Lisa. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of culture in France to be stolen. And I'm excited to see what they they do with it. it it's very cool. Um a new Lupin is very exciting, I think. Yeah, the the animation from uh, Part Four was really good. Yeah, it was a it was a standout thing from from Telecom, and I'm I'm excited for more. And then 
just some other th- the while we were gone there were there was just a huge slew of announcements coming out of um Netflix about things that they were getting eventually and sort of developing like they have um the the new um anime based on Devilman uh Devilman Crybaby coming out which is this 10 episode thing that they're working on I think for next year and it's got, uh, and it's by, um, the studio behind, um, Ping Pong, the animation. And, uh, like, it's, it's Masaki Yuasa at Science Saru, you know, like, he's got a very distinct style to him that, from what I know of Devil Man, could be really interesting. Yeah, this is, I think, the, the anime that Netflix got that's, that people are most excited about. Yeah, and, like, I feel like Devil Man is almost coming back as like a meme in some ways, like just within like the anime community because I see a lot of screen caps, especially of that part where one of the characters just yells about how his father died in- while he's driving a car. Like it seems like Devil Man is coming back in this weird way, or like people are remembering it. So this this gives more cadence to sort of this remake, this a- adaptation, whatever it is. It seems like it'll be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, there's one other goofy screen cap that I've seen that's like, oh, you want to smoke? It's laced with drugs. Right, like, it's, it's, the original content is so of the 70s, so seeing how someone like Yuasa either updates it or keeps it completely within the times <laughs> will be something interesting. Yeah. And I guess, you know, this isn't the only, like, Devilman thing to come out. What was that? Um, Netflix also has that movie, um... Cyber Cyborg 009 versus Devil Man, whatever the hell that is. Like what the hell is that gonna be involved? I can't I don't know, it's it's already out, and I just can't imagine what the content of that looks like. But I guess, you know, I uh Cyborg 009 also got those um remake movies, and that came out on Netflix too. Netflix is just, just it's it's pulling out a lot. And then what what else they have? They're they're getting the new um Baki the Grappler anime series. Yay? Which is supposed to come out next season, which... Man, Baki the Grappler is fucking disgusting, but, you know, (laughs) it's... People like it, and people are gonna stick with it. They got, um... They got an original anime announced called, um... Lost Song? Which there's not a lot of information about. It's being done by, uh, Leiden Films, and it's sort of this... It's almost like a voice actress sort of like um focus kind of thing like it seems like it's very predominantly focused on uh Konomi Suzuki doing this whole thing. So I don't know how that's going to turn out, but that again, Netflix is just grabbing a lot. They're doing a remake CG anime based on Saint Seiya Knights of the Zodiac. Oh cool. People in Brazil must be very excited for that. Yeah, and like I guess that you know, it's it's a way to re-grab an audience for that, given that it's just, like, Saint Seiya is um, very classic in both the good and bad ways, so seeing it redone might be something interesting. Yeah. And being done by Toei, Toei, who, um, Toei have had some really cool 3D stuff going on, like, with their, um, their, their Pretty Cure, um, openings and endings, like, they- They've really stylized their CG to to match what they uh, you know what they want rather than using it as sort of like a a default. So that could be interesting to see. Ah, cool. 
They have another series coming out next year called Be the Beginning, which I don't know anything about. They've got Sword Guy coming, which is an anime series that I think was supposed to come out last year and just fell through. And then there's um there was that Kickstarter for a um uh an anime called Cannon Busters, which was done, I think, in collaboration with Studio Satellite through um what's his name? Uh LaShawn Thomas, who's like this this African American guy who's worked in anime and done directing and stuff. He also did uh, an OVA for Crunchyroll, I think, called um, the, the Ch- Children of Eden or something, or Children of Ether. He's done work on the Boondocks, which was also sort of like this, you know, this whole thing. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and then they're getting um, Violet Evergarden, which is the new KyoAni project for next year. And they're grabbing an original anime um, called AICO Incarnation. And they also released a second Glitter Force series, which is the heavily localized version of Pretty Cure. Like, very Four Kids-esque. Oh, oh, I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah, so the Glitter Force is is Four Kids-style sort of, like, editing out all of the, the Japanese elements of it, and, like... Sort of uh, editing parts of it to be a little more accessible and names and stuff. Wow, look at this giant donut! <laughs> yeah, it's it's very like like there's a whole um there's a whole episode I know of this new one which is um based on Doki Doki Precure and it's called I think Glitter Force Doki Doki so that's awesome where it's all based around um the the Thousand Poets card game. And they have to adapt that to be English. And like, there are so many things wrong with that. But I don't know. There is something also very charming about that sort of style in 2017 because no one does it anymore. Oh, man. And I think I think fans in general have gotten to a point where sort of like there's an appreciation for that in maybe almost an ironic sense rather than just like disdain for them you know missing out on these uh uh, you know on these anime and it's just it's a wild thing because like this is the only pretty here content the america has gotten since the original series and we get it in this very like (laughs) heavily localized and edited version hell because saban has some kind of weird rights thing with it where they're not uh, willing to update it in this way, like... Of course it's Saban, of course it is! Well, it had to be. Um, then just a couple other things that are coming out. The the guy who was directing, uh, who's directing that new It movie is developing a live-action Robotech project, which I think at some point they were going to do a Robotech movie, and this might be part of that. Where, um, you're familiar with Robotech, right? A little? It's, it's the, it's the American version of three, like, sci-fi mecha series from the 80s. Um, the original Macross, um, Calvary Southern Cross, and, uh, Maspeeda, Where ah. they, to, in order to fit into, like, American, um, TV scheduling at the time, they had to take these three series 
and turn it into one because they had to have a certain number of episodes. How did that work? It, uh, well, it was, they, they, it was like three different timelines where they separated them by thousands of years so that they wouldn't have to worry about that a lot. Holy shit! Yeah, it's, it's this wild thing, and this, um, the, the original series this is based on and Robotech have both been released on Amazon. I don't think through Anime Strike. I think this was pre-Anime Strike. So that's now accessible, and this was always a big deal because Macross was never allowed in the West because the the company that handled um, Robotech, uh, Harmony Gold, had this like crazy um, rights holding on it where they would just sue anyone who had anything even related to like the Macross designs and stuff. Like games that had Macross designs in them got like sued because of this. And Harmony Gold is losing the rights on that soon, so maybe that'll mean Macross comes over, but as it is, the, the, the Robotech license is being turned into this live-action project, which may be a movie, maybe a TV series, but just like this, it's, it's a wild thing, and it's interesting to see this, like, come back. It definitely sounds very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Um, they're making a Persona 5 TV anime series next year. Oh boy. Which, I don't know, maybe that, I mean, it seems like there were a lot of gameplay problems people had with Persona 5, so maybe this fixes it. But also, having seen Persona 4 the animation, I'm not getting my hopes up. Yeah, that's, that's my thing, is that, oh, they're gonna make another Persona 4 anime. Great. Yeah, because, like, the Daybreakers was fine, but the Daybreakers got to just be whatever it wanted. It was just, like, a one-episode thing, you know? They didn't have to do anything else with that. Um, you remember Handshakers from earlier this year? Ah, pure garbage! Uh, they're making a stage play based off of it. What? Apparently... Handshakers did well enough to deserve a stage play based on it, which I don't know if this means that eventually it's going to turn into some kind of fucking multimedia franchise, but that seems impressive given that, like, certainly the Western reaction to it is, like, with nothing but, like, disdain. Is this the power of irony watching? (laughs) Oh my god. I mean, uh, I bet you know, it's more likely that, you know, we're going to get, let's say, like, Death Note Netflix sequels because of irony watching, which that also released in between seasons. That did. As did Netflix's other weird anime-esque thing, um, Neo Yokio, uh, which is helmed by the vocalist and guitarist of band Vampire Weekend, and stars Jaden Smith and several other popular people. I think Steve Buscemi's in it. I don't know. But that just released and poof, poof, buddy. Wow. This apparently was supposed to air on um, Fox's um, ADHD programming block, which had like the Axe Cop uh, cartoon. So I heard. And that failed. And I guess Netflix saved this of all things. So that's, that's something. It's certainly something from the screen caps that I've seen. It's it's certainly got a giant Toblerone in it. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, 
Another thing is, uh, in the continuing um, adventures to anthropomorphize everything, uh, we lost... Uh, so the content collection people and the token Ramba people were going to make one based on uh, Japanese shrines, but that got canned uh, earlier this month. I think because outcry was that, hey, this is actually starting to get disrespectful because this has religious ties, so maybe don't do this. Ah! But it's okay, because I believe that group is now doing a mobile game based on uh, um, American Revolutionary War guns. (laughs) (laughs) So, we've moved from ships to swords to guns. (laughs) And they're all very, like, American, sort of, like... You know, like the the jacket designs and everything, but they're also basically like these absurd, like pseudo fire emblem designs for how much they're like just shoving shit on these character designs. Oh my god! So that's what all that art I've seen has been from. Yeah, there's one that's like it's it's like his name's just Kentucky, and he's got like an American flag flying off of like half of his pants, like as a, like a pseudo cape. It's this, it's a whole thing. This is something. (laughs) It's so much. It's so much, and I'm glad that this continues to happen. Oh boy. Uh, They're making another manga based on Daigo, uh, the professional fighting game player. Good! Daigo the Beast, Umehara fighting gamers. I think this is the second manga coming out based on the life of Daigo, the beast Umehara. Which I guess, since he's, you know, sort of the- I feel like he is the biggest um, Japanese fighting game player. He he deserves it in some ways. It's just wild as a thing to exist. Like the Steve Jobs manga, like it's just a weird format to do sort of this biopic in. I hope it gets an anime. Oh, that'd be cool as hell. But yeah, so that's all kind of the big news that happened that I wanted to talk about. Just a lot of acquisition stuff, you know, a lot of announcements, things that are interesting, things that could be really exciting going forward. Like with Netflix picking up all this original content, I wonder if that's going to change maybe how they handle anime moving forward if they're pulling things like this devil man thing and all that because like is that going to be simultaneous release is it going to be this whole different thing i don't know with like series that they're specifically like funding and buying it's a strange new future it is because like it definitely feels like there was that there was that period where it's like oh crunchy roll and funimation have joined forces there is one source with which you get anime from now in the west and then Amazon and Netflix decided to join in, and they've got the their own sort of, like, subscription stuff, their own way that they handle kind of, like, content delivery and stuff that, that really shakes that up. And I think depending on sort of how all of these different um, companies handle it may change the, 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 the climate of anime in the West and sort of how it's presented, how it's produced, how it's, how it's given to the users. So I, I wonder how this is going to develop 
if like it's going to get worse or if things are slowly going to get better based on kind of the success and failure of different series and different streaming services. Yeah. But let's talk about happier things. And that's next season's anime. Heck yeah. So uh, starting off, as we always do, let's talk about we each have one uh, series uh, that's being left over from this season that we're continuing on. So uh, Zane, you're still watching Fate Apocrypha. Yeah, I am. So t- tell me a little bit that about that right now, sort of at this, you know, at this point, just kind of a general, we'll cover it more in the, the review show, but how does it feel right now? What do you expect moving forward? Well, we just, it basically, we are about halfway through the story. Thankfully, this week is a, uh, a recap episode to cap over everything. Uh, Fate Apocrypha has been very much sort of an ensemble cast story with two specific main characters, the homunculus Sieg and uh, Jean d'Arc. But a bunch of other characters have gotten some spotlight. There have been some pretty cool fights. But the big half of way through the show twist has just played out and it looks and I have no idea where it's going to go from here because it's... Okay. Yeah. It, I've been enjoying it so far. It's been... Some of the animation has been a little weird in places, mm-hmm. but... Eh, what can you do about it? But I've been having a lot of fun with it. One thing that's uh, different between this and, like, other the other Fate anime, like uh, Unlimited Blade Works, is that this show focuses a lot more on the servants and their characters instead of the sometimes boring human mages. <laughs> so you get, uh, like, Achilles and his teacher Chiron, and they have this whole relationship thing, and... You got Spartacus, who is yelling about destroying all the oppressors, and <laughs> <laughs> and how he get well, not really Spartacus, but uh, you get you get a lot more insight into a bit of into everybody, and it's been a pretty neat show, I think. That's cool. So, are these servants ones that show up in other um, like fate franchises, or are they specific to Apocrypha? All. Well, with Fate Grand Order out, uh, I cannot say well, that. Okay, so that's th- right. That's 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 a crossover thing to end all crossovers. I mean, like sort of the the other Fate stuff, like Stay Night and stuff like that. No, none of the servants okay. in that show up anywhere else. It is a completely self-contained story. Okay. Are there any sabers? <laughs> there are two sabers. Okay, just two. Just two. There's oh, two right. of everybody. Okay. Oh, is that is that the is that the like battle lines or? Yeah, that's that's the whole thing behind the first half of the story is that it's basically <laughs> these. Yeah, it's basically a team of each class of servant versus a team of another class of servant, and they fight it out to see who gets the big holy grail and who gets to make their wish come true. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And then my leftover series is Welcome to the Ballroom which at the time of recording has just hit the the story split, which for some reason is at episode 11 instead of 12 of this 24-episode series. But um, Welcome to the Ballroom has been sort of like a... Like, I keep going back and forth on it because I feel like there are some problems with the the way it does storytelling and the way it handles its characters. But when it hits... I, I feel really strongly about it. Like, it feels really good. The the way that they exaggerate movements and motion is really, um, 
it's it's really striking, it's really strong, and it seems like the the split here is sort of the first eleven episodes are sort of your um your like introduction into the world and sort of the the first arc where the main character realizes, oh, I'm not actually that hot a shit, you know, I, I've gotta practice more. And moving forward, it seems like this is where people really got into the series. This is where they introduce sort of like the main character's new partner that everyone seems to really like. So I'm I'm really excited to see how things change at the sort of like halfway point and the way that things develop from here because it made some good strides towards fixing a lot of the early problems I saw with it. So I I want to I want to see more of it. I want to see how that all develops and how that changes and if it does. Nice. Yeah. And so this last leftover, I almost forgot it. I don't know how I could have done that. Is uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Vrains. Yu-Gi-Oh! Vrains continues to happen. And it being on sort of like a seasonal schedule that's like half a month off from every other season seems really weird. Because uh, at this point, we're kind of stopping in the middle of a plot line. But like... Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Reigns has really tried to push itself and define itself by doing a lot more mature storytelling and story beats. And I think in some ways it's succeeding. Like, we, we get a really strong backstory for the main character that helps to sort of push everything forward. The characters are a little more nuanced and interesting, even when they're horrible people. And I think just it's weird for Yu-Gi-Oh! to be doing this, especially after 5Ds, where like it kind of rebooted itself, where Zexel was like way kind of kitty and goofy, and sort of it's continued to sort of like ramp up from there as the series have gone on. So Vrains has hit sort of the 5Ds point where it's trying to do a lot more mature, sort of darker storytelling about these characters, and it's wrapped up in stories about hacking and stories about playing card games so it's like it's this weird juxtaposition but i'm really enjoying the way that it builds upon itself and the way that it's kind of trying to do these things and i just more than anything i really hope it can stick the landing with some of the character stuff it's it's starting up and it's kind of building up because i think if they can nail that they can do a lot better than they've done in kind of previous series with the way that they handle characters, in particular, like, female characters. I want to see this one succeed in the ways that others have failed. But, like, it's still like, oh, people are hoverboarding through security databases and trying to hack, and so they're getting attacked by AI that have, like, virus-based decks, or, like, firewall-based decks. It's like, it's just such a wacky premise, and they're just really going all in on it, and God bless them. I feel like if a series is being completely ridiculous, but the characters complete treat it completely seriously, then I think that makes for a good show. Yeah. Yeah, because it has uh, it has faith in its character, in the strength of its characters, and it's, and you enjoying the, uh, the craziness of it all. Right, for sure, and I think Yu-Gi-Oh! has always sort of, like, blurred that line a bit, and in particular when it tries to do a lot more of its serious storytelling, like 5Ds and Vrains. So I'm really excited to see how this develops, and how it 
how it grows out of this, because it is doing a lot of interesting stuff with that. I just know the main character's backstory is really fucked up. Yeah, we'll get to that in the review episode. It's it's like such a wild reveal, and it and then it, like the way that they present it also plays into the way that his character is and other characters are in kind of a cool way. Oh, uh, but yeah, it just Vrains is really like it feels like it's hitting a peak for me where it's like, yes, this is exactly what I come to Yu-Gi-Oh for, and I'm very happy. And then, man, there are a lot. I feel like I say this every season, but there are just a lot of series coming out next season. So let's start out with our very interested list. And I feel like this has been the biggest since you joined the show for our very interested. Just between the split between you and me, we we both have like four or five shows on here that we're excited to see. Yeah, yeah, this season has a lot of cool shit. Yeah, and so these first two, both of us are watching. First off, we have... Uh, Kino's Journey, The Beautiful World, which is a continuation of the original Kino's Journey series that came out, I think, mid-2000s? And is really well-regarded. Um, and uh, this is a... This is a... Not a reboot, this is just a, a continuation of that. New stories, new updates, and sort of like a more modern style uh just art-wise. And uh, it, it just seems like a really... Like, Kino Notabi, or Kino's Journey, seems like a really cool series that's... You know, it, it, does, it does something that not a lot of series really do, which is sort of, like, an exploration. Like, you know, people explore, like, post-apocalypse worlds, but the way that um, Kino's Journey does it focuses on this idea of a wanderer who kind of goes to these towns spends three days in each of them and kind of just leaves afterwards like you know recognizing that they're not here to sort of change the way things are in huge ways but here to sort of see what the world is like um after this huge catastrophe and just like kind of let things play out and see the way that humanity has changed in these different conditions it sounds like a a collection of short stories with this one, well, two, I guess, characters as its common thread. Yes, because Kino does have a talking motorcycle. <laughs> Named Hermes. Yeah, which, that's that's charming as well. But just, like, that that conceit seems really good. Like, um, it's, it's sort of, uh, I guess, Rolling Girls-esque is the first anime I can think to compare it to. Or what Rolling Girls, like, wanted to be, I think where it is just sort of like exploring a very diverse and different world and these different circumstances people live under. It's It seems very cool and something that can be very, like, thoughtful and neat. Yeah, I, I hope it does wind up being a bit poignant about stuff. Yeah, like, it, like from the way that the, the, the first series has been marked, and maybe I'll, I'll get around to watching that with, while this new season's happening. It seems like it is very, like, it is about sort of, like, hopeful and sort of also very sad stories, just, you know, in the way that humanity pulls together in order to survive. So I, I think ultimately it has, like, a like a happier tone to it, just marked in sort of, like, a, a more dramatic or kind of, like, a, a you know, a, a sadder general, like, you know, uh, story. Maybe optimistic would be a better word? 
Yeah, it's optimistic. Which, I mean, that's that's always appreciated, even in something like that is kind of dour, is to have a, a, a spot of optimism to it. Then we have another series both of us are watching. This is a season two of March Comes In Like a Lion. Yes. And so this is another point of uh, March Comes In Like a Lion is doing the cross year, like two seasons, which makes it really hard to talk about with like Aoti stuff. But um, March Comes In Like a Lion, the first season is a great sort of like it's just a great story with a bunch of really strong characters as we focus on this kid, Ray, who plays professional shogi for a living and sort of deals with a kind of a miserable existence that he has where he doesn't like what he does, but he does it because he needs to to survive. And he has so much emotional baggage from the, you know, the, the events in his life that have led up to this particular moment. And the things that he has moving forward that, you know, help him to continue to move forward and find inspiration and find motivation to keep going. Yeah, season one was very, very good at expressing how the character felt through its through the uh, the animation, the colors, the music, a, a lot of stuff that really just showed the the made it easier to empathize with uh with everybody that in the show. Yeah, I know Akiyuki Shinbo is sort of like a divisive director. But I think what he does for this series works really well in sort of like the 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 strange cuts and the strange sort of like focuses on different things that that really you know, give give off this this vibe that really plays into the the emotional aspect of the story, as well as on occasion the comedic bits. Yeah, there are some there's some nice lighthearted bits in the show, and it's it's nice to have that sort of stuff in a show that can get as heavy as uh, as this one can get. Yeah, and I was and like near the end, I was kind of sad that we didn't get to see more of the three sisters. So having this series come back would be nice to see them again and their um you know their dynamic because i think they they add a lot to the story in sort of like a way that like completely contrasts uh like ray's life the way that they're like kind of hectic and sort of like full of energy and constantly like you know getting into these crazy situations yeah i i think that's one thing that people are most excited for about the season is that we get more of the dynamic between ray and his pseudo family yeah, and it's it's, it's going to be neat because I think all of those characters are well done too, and I'd like to kind of like see more of them and explore more of their character along with Ray. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for the show a lot. Yeah, and also, um, if uh, Nikaido comes back, he's a he's a great rival friend, goofy little character in in this series. Totoro is a very good character. Yeah, he's a good friend. He does his best. Then uh these next uh this next one is one that you you stand for a lot as a series and has definitely been one I've been sort of like on the fence about just some from sort of the the initial reactions and sort of the initial story, but tell me about Food Wars the third plate. All right, so this is the th- third season of Food Wars, or Shokugeki no Soma, uh, and it's about this guy, uh, 
Soma Yukihira, who goes to this school called uh, Totsuki Academy, and basically it's this crazy over-the-top cooking school where the threat of failure is always bearing down on you and you'll get expelled or whatever, but if you can survive their crazy challenges, then you're basically guaranteed success as a chef. And the the draw of this show is that is the over-the-top reactions to all of the food that can sometimes get that, at least at the start of the show, was hornier than it is. But I feel like that as the show has gone on, that's been toned down. It's still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's still there, but it's not quite as much as it was. And this season in particular introduces what is currently the main villain of the manga, as well as the uh, the big, some of the, like, the elite ten of the Academy, the ten best chefs that are there, or at least more of them. And basically there's an actual plot that gets introduced, uh, the... The, I guess, love interest character, Erina, gets a lot of character development. She gets more likable. There's just some stuff that people can look forward to, even if it does get a bit, like, oddly paced at times. I've got faith in it. Okay. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, it it, it seems very Yakutate Japan in that it's sort of, like, about these absurd people who cook and the way that it, like, ridiculously affects other people. And I think I was just turned off by... The initial sort of like weird sexuality that was attached to those reactions. And you, you're saying that like cuts down a lot more as it goes on? Yeah, I feel like it stops once back in the first season, once you got to the training arc, it sort of kind of cuts down on that and just goes for over the top reactions instead of sexual ones like uh, eating food so good it turns you into cabbage themed magical girls. Okay, so yeah, it is very Yakutate Japan-esque, where, like, someone eats a crab-shaped bread and turns into a crab, or uh, one where, like, it's so good they get sent to heaven and get to say goodbye to their wife. Yeah, it can get to that le- almost to that levels of ridiculousness, but it's all metaphorical. It doesn't actually happen. Okay, it actually happens in Yakutate Japan, so... I kind of figured that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay. That, I mean... You know, cooking stuff like that seems cool, and maybe if it it does cut down on that more, I can kind of power through the beginning to see through it if I have the time. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, man, man, anime food looks really good, and it seems like Food Wars really knows how to plate that shit. Yeah, for real. Because uh, if I remember right, all of the recipes in that show are done by an actual chef. Oh, that's cool as hell. Then. Yep. Do they um? When does, uh, I, I know exactly, like, two things about Food Wars, and it's that it's the part where they, they make cooking look like a Yu-Gi-Oh parody, and there's the, the chapter that is, at least in title, a, a, um, a parody of, uh, the, the girl who leapt through time. I think I remember that second one, but that first one is in season two, during the, uh, Oh, that, the, okay, that already happened? Wow. Yeah, that's, that's in the tournament arc. I've got a couple right. screen caps of it if you actually want to see it. Oh my goodness, maybe. Maybe afterwards. Uh, then one that I'm looking forward to is, is The Ancient Mage's Bride. And this is a series that... Um, it, it has sort of like a... Maybe a little bit of a troubling premise that it doesn't exactly like sell itself on 
where it's it's about it's about this young girl who's full of mystical energy. Like she can see spirits and stuff in the world. And uh, her name is Chitose, and she ends up kind of like getting abandoned by her family and ultimately ends up like in sort of like this magical slave trade where she's bought out by this magus who is a who it has like a, a, a like a, a skeleton head, like a like a bull skeleton almost. And he buys her up as um, someone he's going to marry. But when it comes down to the actual series, it's a lot more about her coming to understand the way that the the world sort of like entwines itself in magic and sort of like they they take on a much more sort of like like tutor and master sort of um relationship rather than one that is like husband and wife like it seems like he he respects Cheeto say enough to to stay farther away from her and sort of not force her into anything because she's been through so much as a child and sort of like allow her to develop this own thing and eventually once you know things have gone forward as they've both sort of like developed as people uh they they'll get married because um the magus as well has this whole thing where because he is not human he has his own sort of like development to understand exactly what like love is and the way that humans work and the way they interact so it is sort of this give and take as both of them teach each other about their their separate parts of the world and the way that they connect huh that sounds a lot more interesting than uh than i thought it would be at first yeah it's it's a weird thing that kind of sells itself strangely but i think it's uh, i've been reading the manga since it's been coming out in english and it's just a it's a really great like evocative series in sort of the same way that like Natsume's Book of Friends is where it's sort of like just exploring a world filled with magic and trying to explain the way that these different things happen and like just seeing the the like preview footage and stuff for it like Studio Wit or um I think they're doing it is uh just have like a really great sense of animation to this and I'm really excited to see how it looks in motion. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to keep my eye out for it. Yeah, it seems like this is sort of the 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 big name sort of franchise like adaptation that's that's coming out that people are really paying attention to. So I'm excited to see how that goes because I I really enjoy the manga. And I think some of these things in motion could be even better. So I'm I'm excited to see that. Nice. So your next one is one that um, I think until like a week ago didn't actually get announced as like the the franchise it's part of. But this is Garo Vanishing Line. Yeah. So Garo Vanish. So until uh, yeah, as Drop said about until a week ago, uh, the Garo Vanishing Line just had the word. It was just called Vanishing Line, and it was only just recently revealed as a uh, as. Garo Vanishing Line. Uh, Garo is essentially a tokusatsu series for adults, and this is, I think, its third anime series, but it doesn't seem like it's connected to the other ones. Right, because other ones were like, it took place, I think, in like ancient Japan, and there was also one that was like America before the, um, 
before like colonization happened. Like it's a it seems like a really weird series that's like not really connected to each other, like as a franchise. Yeah, I I don't know if that's the case with the actual series. I haven't watched any of the actual series, but I've heard it's very I've heard it's alright, I think. Okay. But this one is a is a modern day thing. It's set in a place called Russell City, and it's about um a man named Sword. <laughs> yeah, and he's apparently caught onto some kind of conspiracy that revolves around the world El Dorado, and uh, he's trying to uncover the mystery behind behind uh, El Dorado, and it's him trying to uncover this conspiracy with a girl a woman named sophie who's searching for her older brother and it's it looks like it's really stylish and the trailer didn't even show the uh the garo suit until the very end so i'm kind of curious as to like what's going to be and it's also by uh the same studio that animated uh Ra- the rage of bahamut series and that series had really good animation so i'm kind of looking forward to it and just like how much emphasis they're going to put on the uh, the suit combat and such? Yeah, like the one thing that's really striking about it is the is the animation style, or at least for the um, that preview picture where it seems very like Americanized. It's very hard shading, sort of like it's either not shaded or it's completely black, and that's a style that I think, depending on what they do with the story, and it seems like it's going for sort of a darker tone. That could be really like evocative and really good. Yeah, that's really what I'm hoping for it. And just seeing that in motion is going to be interesting. Yeah, from from the PV, it looks pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'm watching a second season of, uh, this is Kekai Sensen and Beyond, or Blood Blockade Battlefront Season 2, which, um, the first season when it came out was a little divisive near the end, because it has this whole, like, original plotline that's sort of kind of derailed from I think what the the story's building up which is sort of this 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 cast of supernatural characters in like basically neo New York after demons and humans have started to intermingle and the this new season is going to be by a different director basically a whole different staff outside of like studio and it's it feels like it's going to be more faithful to the manga in terms of content which I think that's probably better because the way that um the way that the 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 manga content works is it's this it's basically like uh an organization of people that fight off sort of like uh more villainous demons that enter New York and we have like Leo who's this guy who has been imbued with sort of like magical eyes that can see through anything and sort of his it's it's by the Trigun author I think that's something I didn't point out um which he he has a really good style, and I think his storytelling is really neat for it. And just kind of all the other characters that are part of this have their own unique, interesting powers, something that can be really developed upon. And so I'm excited to see how this second season handles the source material and handles telling the story now that it's sort of not like, you know, um, caught up in this this original story it's going to tell. And hopefully it'll have fewer production issues where, like, the last episode is delayed for three months while they finish it. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for just a more stable and a more consistent um, story out of it. Because I really liked uh, the first season of Blood Blockade Battlefront, despite its issues. 
And I just want to see more of that and more of the world that's built there because there's a lot of neat stories, I think, within that world. Yeah, I've I heard uh, Blood Blockade Battlefront was pretty dang good, and I I don't know, I don't know why I never started watching it. If nothing else, it has a very strong style to it, and I think Yasuhiro Naidao has a good job of doing that. So yeah, it's it's something interesting, and I, I'm really excited for that one. Style is important. And then this last one here is. A thing that I didn't know existed until it got announced and just feels weirder the more I know about it. Which is uh, Junie Tyson or 12 Wars. Yeah, so uh, this is a pretty very basic setup. Uh, 12 fighters themed after the Zodiac constellations uh, fight it out and the winner of this brawl makes their wish come true. But uh, the the catch, I guess you could say, is that it's written by Niso Eisen, who uh, wrote the Monogatari series, uh, Katana Gatari, which is not related to that, and uh, Madaka Box, he... Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he wrote this, and that means it's gonna have a lot of weird meta wordplay and... <laughs> yeah, weird meta untranslatable, like, untranslatable Japanese. Untranslatable nonsense. Yeah, but it's gonna have a lot of, a lot of witty dialogue, a lot of probably messed up characters, and I like his style, honestly. And the other p- thing about I know about this anime is that it's got music by Go Shina, the guy who made the music for Tales of Legendia, which is good music. That's pretty cool. Yeah, also some of the music from Tales of Zestiria, the only good part of that game. <laughs> and one thing that's kind of been striking me as I see footage and stuff is I think it's all in 3D, which is weird because, like, in stills, I feel like I can't tell the difference. It's only when it's moving. It's this weird particular style, and, like, the character designs are mm, absurd. I think is that they're, like, very distinct, they're very different, and they're all sort of, like, wild. And I think that's, I don't know, it, it's weird because I feel like um, if, it's, if it doesn't look like Monogatari or Katanagatari, I'm instantly sort of, like, confused as it being a Nisio, uh, a Nisio Eason thing. But this yeah, one's I- very, it's very, like, realistic. Like, everyone's got these, like, muscular bodies and sort of, like, a lot of definition and tone to them that you just don't see in other series that are drawn for his work. I think he's had a different artist for every one of them, and it's, it's the writing style that gives it away. Right, it's it's just that he uh he has very very particular quirks that he constantly puts into his writing for better or worse. Yeah. Oh, God bless him. If nothing else, Nisio Eason is doing things that other people don't. Is that always good? Who knows? It's but it's it's something that's different, and I think that's something to be commended. I just looked at the rabbit ra- the character design of the rabbit character. Holy shit! Oh, you just saw the main character. Yeah, it's this is something that I don't know how it's going to be played into sort of the story. But yeah, I he might be the main character. But the rabbit character is a dude who is dressed sort of like as in sort of the sexiest bunny girl <laughs> outfit you could imagine. I have no idea what this show is going to be, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, he's got two machetes. This is, it's a it's a wild thing. I don't know how it's going to turn out. We'll have to see. It's impossible to tell. <laughs> oh. So next up, we have our kind of interested list. I have a few shows on here that I'll be watching along with. 
and uh, a couple of these are things that that Zane is sort of you know is looking out for. Yeah, a lot of the stuff, some of the stuff that was on my uh, kind of interested list is on Jorps's very interested list. Yeah, so we again, it's this. This definitely seems like a bigger um, season of stuff. It's just like, wow, this seems neat. And the first one that I'm interested in is called Just Because. And I know that you uh, put this on the not interested just because of the premise. And I get that. Um, Just Because is a story of a bunch of um, high schoolers uh, as they get ready to graduate and sort of expect their lives to just sort of flow. You know, they they don't expect any shakeups here at the end. They expect to just graduate and move forward. And... A transfer student comes that ends up shaking up the way that maybe they look at graduation and the way that they look at themselves and just kind of redefines sort of the way they're looking at their lives. And I'm interested just because this is like an original series. This is something they're doing that, you know, is is kind of different. And I really like sort of high school stories that are about sort of like those shakeups. They're about sort of like the way it redefines how you look at the rest of your life. And um, it has art by um, the original artist for uh, what's that? It also got an anime short series. It was the one that got pulled off of YouTube for being too hot. Um, Tawawa on Mondays. Um, th- the person who did that art is also doing the art for this. And it's just like, I don't know, it's just a really like nice, clean style that I really appreciate. And not a lot's known about this as an original series, but I'm... I'm just hoping to get something really, like, I don't know, uh, like, a little lighthearted, a little dramatic, but ultimately sort of optimistic, like, uh, you know, like a like a Kino Notabi or something. But I get why people wouldn't like this. I mean, not everyone uh, has the same mm, high school experiences, so, you know, some people maybe don't want to relive that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but this next one is one that I had no interest in until I got sold on it by by comparing it to uh, comparing it to humanity has declined. Oh, and this is Girls' Last Tour, and so Girls' Last Tour is this this manga series about uh, again sort of this this almost post apocalyptic sort of setting. Like, civilization has completely died, but these two girls, Chito and Yuri, are on, like, motorcycles and, like, tanks and stuff that are left over. It seems almost like they're in, like, Russia or, like, one of those sort of, like, northern European countries. And it's just about them sort of aimlessly wandering through the ruins of the world and kind of exploring the world. And while it's tough for them because they have to find food and they have to, you know hunt for things to be able to fix their their mechanic stuff like they're still trying to find fun in it they're trying to find the 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 hopefulness in the world and i hear that it it sort of the 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 style is more in the way of humanity has declined and sort of like this comedic kind of goofy way of bringing charm to sort of this post-apocalyptic kind of thing yeah i've seen a few screen caps of the manga here and there and Everything but the human characters are, like, really super detailed and really good-looking, and the human characters are just, like, these tiny little blobs, or... Right, they, like, they, they don't have noses, like, their, their heads are squished, like, they are... They have, like, fully-sized bodies with chibi heads, and it's very strange. But I think, 
that's sort of that's a style that if it is going for sort of this humanity has declined kind of thing, it feels like that's you know that's going to kind of play into sort of the the dichotomy between them and the rest of the world. I don't know. I'm 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 interested in seeing how this one turns out just from that recommendation, having just kind of like gotten into humanity has declined. This seems like kind of a cool thing to look out for. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pumped. Then there's Children of the Whales, which, again, not a lot going for it, but like, uh, at, at least as far as like information I have for it, but Children of the Whales seems just like very like JRPG, like, like everything I feel I see from it is like Tales-esque from the character designs to the size of the cast to sort of like the story that they're building up about it and like the, um, the environments feel really like Ghibli-esque in the way that they're stylized and they're detailed. It's about this this group of teens who work as like archivists on this thing called the Mud Whale, which is this island that floats across the world, which is like kind of this endless desert. And uh, a lot of these people who live on this uh, Mud Whale have been given the ability to use these these particular superpowers distinct to each of them. That unfortunately means that they end up dying young. And it seems like sort of like in the in the sort of the archival work that they do, they end up stumbling into basically, uh, you know, like a, a a change of destiny from someone who's left out in the desert. And I don't know, I, I don't know what to feel about it. But like, just from watching the PVs, I like the character designs and the world design. And I'm hoping that something really cool comes out of the story it's telling. I just hope it doesn't get too depressing because of the whole magic gives you an early lifespan thing. Right, but uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I could see that. But I wonder if that's going to like affect how these characters look at these events. And I think that it can still pull something out of it. it again, it does feel very like Tales-esque, where even at its darkest, it's still going to to come to sort of like this this light ending that sort of brings everyone together regardless of their circumstances. I know it's a, mon- a manga series, but I don't know if it's finished up yet, though. Yeah, so I don't know how this is going to turn out, whether or not it's going to actually be able to end or anything. Or maybe they'll do, like, an anime-only thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious because, like, I feel like the art and the world design and stuff is really cool, so I want to see more of that. Uh, then there's Tukar, which um, really just is, seems like kind of like anime wacky racists. It's about uh it's about like this these this duo motorcycle like sidecar racing circuit. And it follows these two high schoolers that seem pretty normal, and from the PVs and stuff, it seems like everyone they face is sort of like a caricature of real people. <laughs> Where it's like, oh, here's the kind of like the gothic Lolita styled biking team. And here's, like, the Magical Girl-style the biking team, where I don't know how they're going to take Tukar if it's going to be more of a serious, like, sports thing about racing and about sort of the connection between the, the, the driver and their, like, sidecar pilot or what. But I don't know. I think it's, it's a neat idea, and, like, racing just in general is a thing that doesn't happen a lot in anime anymore. You know, we're, we're past... We're past initial D and stuff, so I don't know. Seeing something about like motorcycle racing seems cool, and this isn't just my my enjoyment of Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds talking, I swear. 
I just hope it's not too fan servicey and it's just like a goofy fun racing anime. Right. That's the one thing that's kind of that I'm not sure about. Like it doesn't look like it is in the same way that like Bakuan gave off those vibes early on, but it's always hard to tell. Like it seems like they've got like full on racing suits like they do in like NASCAR and stuff. So here's hoping. Yeah, here's hoping. And the last one that I'll be watching from this is uh, Urahara. And Urahara is kind of, it's more of an oddity than anything, but like the way that it's stylized is just like really striking, really cool as an art style. It's, it's, um, it's based on a webcomic that is also like officially part of like this, this fashion lines, like, um, like advertising. And it was hosted, I think, exclusively on Crunchyroll when it was going. So it's just like this, it's this series of things that is now building up to like an anime being made out of it. And I don't know, like the idea that it's attached to fashion makes all these characters seem cooler. Like they're all going to be sort of wearing very like high Japanese fashion stuff, like, you know, cool stuff from uh, Harajuku. And also, it seems like a battle thing. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but its its visuals are very striking and cool in a way that makes me want to check out more. Yeah, the PV looked really bright and colorful and just it looked like it had a whole lot of fun with itself. Yeah, for sure. This is like a cool skateboarding chick. It's, it seems like a fun time. Yeah. And then the last one you had on here was uh, Black Clover, which is sort of, I guess, a lot of people's consideration for, like, the next part of the big three, if we can even keep calling it that, but sort of the next big Shonen thing from Shonen Jump. Yeah, it's about a guy in a world full of wizards, and he wants to be the best of them all, except he's a shitty wizard, but he gets this power of anti-magic, so he can, I guess he can, like, cancel magic or something, so basically he's going to be fist-fighting a bunch of wizards. Is how I see it. Which sounds cool as hell. <laughs> yeah, and it hopefully will be much more fun with its premise than Fairy Tale. Yeah, like, I think the worst thing I hear about Black Clover is just that it's sort of, like, typical. Which isn't necessarily, like, a bad thing. I'm interested to see how it turns out, because, you know, uh, these these sort of big, um, these shonen things are so, like, wildly divergent it feels and how they become popular and stuff that black clover might be cool it, it can be even if it's just by the books it can be still done well yeah uh, yeah you know if it if it can if it can ex- execute well that'll be good enough for me so now we come to the maybe maybe nots the ones we're we're kind of paying attention to but these are sort of like the second tier choices if we run out of like you know our, our first tier picks for kind of like oh you know, what do we want to keep it, uh, keep up with? And the first one on here is Inuyashiki. Inuyashiki is this story of, like, an old man who <laughs> gets killed in a crash landing by aliens and then is rebuilt as a cyborg with a human exterior. <laughs> yeah. And I, it's, it's by the guy who wrote um, Gantz. Oh. But I hear from noted Gantz hater Jordan Kai that Inuyashiki is actually good. Hmm. So I'm like, kind of giving it the benefit of a doubt. This might be a neat like sort of action thing. 
the problem with the the manga is that it is ugly as sin. <laughs> because it does the it does the Gantz thing and like this sort of like weird style thing where it's either all traces of 3D characters, like you know, like they'd make 3D models and then they just trace over them for the art, or it's just straight up like a photograph that's been um, edited in post-processing. Wow. So it's just, just super unappealing art style throughout the whole thing, but I hear that the story is actually good in it and sort of like it tells an interesting story. Um, I know Donald Trump's in it. Uh, like, like because of the alien invasion, he just, like, causes all laws to be moot. Because he's like, I've accomplished everything I want to. What? Yeah, I don't know anything about what the fuck Inuyashiki is doing. But just given that, like, other people are willing to go to bat for that story, seems like it's something that might be worth looking into. I think it, like, just finished, so it might be able to do the full story within the anime. The only other thing I know about it is that there's apparently a teen who also gets turned into a cyborg and he becomes a huge asshole. Right, and then I assume that they fight. Like, the mechanics stuff of it is cool and it explains why they keep doing the 3D model stuff, but like, God, it's just so ugly. Ugh. But it looks like, uh, who's doing it? Mappa? Looks like Mappa's doing it all in 2D, kind of like really doing something with it so that might be cool like they may really like fix the the stylistic problems or they just went all in on it to keep it accurate yeah who knows but i'm i'm willing to i'm willing to see it through if i run out of other things to watch Inushiki's kind of high up there on the list for things i want to check out and kind of see how it turns out then next is um uq uq holder UQ Holder. Which is the sequel to um, Magic Teacher Negima, right? Yeah, it's a sequel, but it wasn't revealed as a sequel until, like, later in the manga, because you had no idea what the what the fuck it was for, like, a few chapters. Oh, like, uh, like JoJo's Part 7? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Just the big reveal is, surprise, I can't stop making this one thing. Well, in his case, it's more like, I want to fucking pick up where I left off. Okay, sure. Yeah, uh, I I do know a little bit about it, but basically, uh, the way the original series ended was basically, uh, the original, uh, Nejima was pitched as a harem manga, but the author, Ken Akamatsu, wanted to make a battle manga, so he turned it into a battle manga slowly, and then the editors got really pissed at him for lying, so he's like, no. <laughs> No, you're ending this as a harem manga, and then it ended, like, in a really lame way that didn't kind of resolve a lot of the conflicts. Like, it was just like, oh, now here's a happy ending. And this kind of picks up where he left off and kind of finishes the story he wanted to tell, and also tells a new story alongside it. But the problem with this one is that it's sometimes too fanservice-y, which is really dumb. Hmm. Because the 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 concept of all the characters being immortal in different ways is pretty cool because everybody's got, like, really cool abilities and shit. Mm -hmm. And it's neat to see them, like, fight against it. And it's literally fighting against the villain of the original, the eventual final villain of the original series. And it's it's really crazy and fun. And I hope it kind of resolves some of the issues that the manga had, but 
Nejima hasn't had a very good history of getting good adaptations, so I'm not really hopeful about it. God, that, um, that, that owns that he's like, I'm gonna end this manga, I guess, and then write a new one that forgets that ending. It's not really that, it's more like, uh, this takes place in, like, an alternate universe compared to that. Where where that ending didn't happen? Yeah, where that ending didn't happen. Cool. Yep. Right now in the manga, they're going over how the original universe got to its happy ending, which is awesome. That kind of reminds me of um, when they did uh, the original Blue Exorcist anime, when, like, there were only, like, 15 chapters out. (laughs) So they're like, oh, we don't have enough material to adapt. We're just going to do an anime original ending. We're just going to end the series. And everyone hated it. And then they brought it back. It was either this year or last year. And they just pretended that just didn't happen. <laughs> They're like, hey, so you remember uh, episode 13 where we started getting into anime original stuff? That didn't happen anymore. Forget it. Uh, <laughs> continue on. It's just like, this is a cool thing. That's like so unique to this particular sort of like studio meddling. That's like awesome. <laughs> uh, I wish they did that with Soul Eater. Oh, yeah, because Soul Eater had that whole anime original ending. Yeah, and then it actually ended, and that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up on here is Dia Horizon, which, thanks to my hard research, I found out is a mobile game. Uh, Hell yeah, <laughs> mobile It's It's like a multimedia project, which always seems to mean these days that it's got a mobile game. I don't know what the, the order of operations is here, but there was like... There's like a web anime that came out that was like a promotion for this anime and I guess a four coma manga they're doing. Um, and now they're making this anime, which is also going to become a mobile game, which I guess is going to become other things. And like, there's just nothing out about it. Like, there's sort of like the opening scroll text as like it's advertisement stuff, but like the actual like what the hell it is still not out there. Yeah, it's a big mystery. Like, it's very, like, JRPG. The art style is very kind of, like, Grand Blue, where it's sort of, like, this particular sort of, like, stylistic kind of thing that's neat. But, like, there's just no info. There are some people in it, and I think they fight maybe giant robots or, like, giant, like, dinosaurs? I don't know. Giant robot dinosaurs. I guess we'll find out. But it's just, like, okay, I guess this exists. Like, that's as much as I can tell you about this thing. But I don't know. Maybe it'll be cool. Not every Mobage anime has been bad. I hear people like the Grand Blue one. Yeah, the Grand Blue one I've heard was pretty solid. But everybody liked the goofy joke episode at the end more. <laughs> uh, next up is uh, is Anime Guitaries, which is basically uh, stealing our job. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> anime Guitaries is an anime... About an anime club. <laughs> and I guess, like, the the thing that they're doing with this is that Anime Guitaries is, like... Yeah, it's just a, it's a club of people who watch anime and decide to, like, go and, like, visit the places in anime. And, like, they visit Akiha- Akibahara and stuff like that. Like, I, it's just such a weird meta thing. <laughs> It's definitely going to get at least one episode of Watch from me. Yeah, like, just what? what is Anime Guitaries? Why do- Like, this seems like the sort of thing that is bonus material on 
any anime Blu-ray where it's like, let's go visit the places inspired by this. Like when they did it with, um, uh, I can't think of, uh, any particulars right now, but they've done this before where it's like, oh, this was inspired by this Japanese shrine. Let's go visit it kind of thing. You know, this seems like an extra that got accidentally turned into a full series. (laughs) (laughs) But who knows? Like we've had other anime that's about anime production. Like, you know, we've had girlish number we've had shirabako we've had um soraga seiyu and this is just like i guess we're moving it one step further because it's anime characters talking about anime without being directly tied to it i don't know i really hope they talk about this season's anime (laughs) yeah like what the hell what are they doing (laughs) like (laughs) oh it's just it's an it's an oddity so i guess it's here just because like what is it let's find out yeah the next one is something that, I don't know, it's cool, I just have no attachment to it, which is Infinity Force, which is this um, 3D CG um, series, I think based on um, a manga that came out like last year about, um, I guess like all the all the classic Tatsunoko superheroes showing up and fighting the villains like it seems like it's just a big crossover kind of story from the PV it looks like a bunch of characters get forcibly turned into these Tatsunoko characters okay i'm looking at this uh, a girl named emmy uses a pencil that can grant any wish uh, emmy gets caught up in the robbery of a convenience store and her life is in danger she uses the pencil to wish for a hero that will save everyone and then four heroes appear that are all, like, classic Tatsunoko characters. Oh, so it's not one episode of Spongebob. And they change the course of the future. I guess she just doesn't have to draw them. It's a giant <laughs> And then, like, the 3D is really good on this. Like, it's really well done from Tatsunoko. Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, like, like, um... I guess, and this is, this can be a compliment now that, like, things have gone forward, very, like, video game quality in the way that it's got, like, big models and the animations are all done really well. Like, it feels a lot more polished than your typical sort of, like, 3D anime. Yeah. And it looks like it's smartly foregoing sort of the, oh, we have to adhere to 24 frames per second thing and just going for as smooth and well done as they can. Like, this just looks great yeah i i probably want to take a look at this just to see what the heck it is but it it definitely looks like a good step forward for cg anime yeah if it gets picked up i'll probably check this out maybe even before inuyashiki just because it's like even without the attachment to these characters just like the craft of it feels like something that's just got like gotta be seen to be believed i'm still just amused that she has a giant pencil it's not even that like it's not giant i guess but yeah it's larger than usual and i man maybe she draws with it i don't know it's one of those novel giant novelty pencils that you have and it's apparently a super powerful artifact awesome and then the last one on here is one where i watched the first season and i liked it but just like I, I don't have a real desire right now to go back to it, and that's um, Hozuki no Reitetsu, or Hozuki's Cool-Headedness Season 2. And it's about... <laughs> it's about the bureaucracy of hell. So we have Lord Enma, who is the king of hell, and this focuses on his chief deputy, who is named Hozuki. And Hozuki's sort of this no-nonsense dude 
who is constantly traveling through the world of hell and sort of like keeping the books in order, making sure that people go to the right hells because there are different hells depending on your religions and what happened to you. And sort of like, he's got these negotiation skills that he has with like uh, classic Japanese characters like Momotaro and things like that. It's this very like goofy and funny series that just like, I think it's being done by a new studio this time. It was done by Studio Wit originally. But like, um, I don't know, it's just like that style where uh, of, of comedy is like, I enjoyed it, but I'm not like in the mood to go back to it right now. So maybe this is something that I keep an eye on for later. Cool, cool. And now we get to the, the not interested, which is just this long list of shows. And I, I've saved all the saved all the sequels for the end, so let's go through the, the original series that are coming out. So we have King's Game, which is about a high school class that starts receiving strange texts of, like, things that they have to do. And if they ever defy these rules, they get killed. And it's about kind of solving the mystery of who's doing this and why it's happening and whether or not they, like, succumb to the pressure of doing these horrible and sadistic things to their students. It sounds very Saw-esque. Yeah, Saw-esque, and and in the same way, it seems very, like, I don't know, exploitative in a way that doesn't seem fun to watch. Yeah. Kind of like, I don't know, like a Mirai Nikki or like a, a, a Big Order kind of thing. So yeah, I, it's just nah. Then we have um, Land of the Lustrous, which I think on your notes for this is like, is this the Steven Universe equivalent for anime? Yes. Because Land of the Lustrous is about characters who are at least made of gemstones. Or like, it's it's about life forms that are like gems. And yeah. so we have this group of gem people who are fighting people from the moon who want to destroy them and use them as decorations. Yeah. And apparently the main character is not doing any of that and instead is editing a natural history magazine. <laughs> cool. And just like the my my biggest problem with this is just like it's it's all 3D CG but like the actual models that these are all based off are kind of unattractive. Like, the actual art style it's going for. So I'm just kind of eh on it. Like, everyone's very lanky in a way that just, I don't know, doesn't look great when it gets converted to 3D. Like, taking a clamp drawing and putting it into 3D? It's, it is very clamp-esque. Ah. Yeah, so, yeah, it just, it doesn't, that, that, it doesn't do it for me. Um, then we have Code Realize Guardian of Rebirth, which is based on an Otome game that takes place in steampunk London. Is about solving mysteries of homunculi, and it's about a bunch of characters from literary works such as like Victor Frankenstein and Arsene Lupin and uh, Abraham Van Helsing as they hang out and do cool things together. And like, I've already played the game. The anime doesn't look particularly good in terms of art style, so I'm I'm willing to give this a hard pass. Ah. But yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's it's a thing. Still a weird coincidence that you played it recently. Yeah, weird, weird, weird that I played it right before the anime got announced, but you know, that's how these things happen sometimes. Uh, then next up is uh, Recovery of an MMO Junkie, 
which uh, at first glance seems a lot like, um, what was it? Uh, and you thought there is never a girl online from last year. Except this one's about adults. Yeah. And I think that gives kind of a better credence to sort of telling the story of learning how to come out of sort of that, that, um, that, that lifestyle of being so obsessed with the games that you don't do anything else is like dealing with it at adulthood. Maybe a more resonant message for anime watchers. Right. But it's just like, uh, 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 it's not what I'm looking for right now. You know, I mean, same here. But it seems like it's going to be a little more poignant and maybe a little better than the, you know, is there, and you thought there is never a girl online. God, I can't, uh, every time I say it, it's just the worst. It is the worst localization. Terrible. Uh, then we have uh, Konohana Kitan, which, uh, that's the one with the, the fox girl, right? Because, like, I'm trying to remember it, and that's all I can remember is it's got a fox girl. Yeah, it's just slice of life anime about fox girls. And it says that it's like shoujo I I think so maybe the girls kiss I don't know. But it's it, it seems very like inoffensive if nothing else fluffy. Like it's it's exactly what you expect I think. Yeah. It's cute, it's inconsequential. Eh. Sometimes you need an anime like that. Yeah, no, I I get that and I, I there are plenty that I've watched but this one just kind of you know, it's bouncing off for me. Then we have um, Sengoku Nightblood, which I I didn't know, I think, until you said is that it says it's based on an Otome game. Yeah. Which is just another thing. It's, Sengoku Nightblood, I think, is about uh, Six Samurai. But, like, uh, again, like, Otome anime has, like, never been good, so I don't know why. So it's like, you can keep hoping for one to turn out surprising, but, I, like... It doesn't seem like it's being done by anyone that would particularly do justice, so... Eh. Eh. Yeah, here we go. Um, it's about uh, soldiers in, like, a fantasy world who have special powers, like turning into a vampire and a man-wolf. A man-wolf. I would hope that the vampire is Nobunaga. Yeah, I don't know if they're actually based on historical figures, or if it's just, you know, that they're doing that. I feel like Nobunaga's in enough stuff that they could just shove him into whatever and no one would care. Well, according to the description, it's different warlords from the Sengoku period. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. I missed that. Holy shit. So I guess so. Nobunaga's a vampire. What hasn't he been, honestly? <laughs> He's been a reincarnated modern day guy. He's been a girl. Um, He's been a guy with a mech. Like, I feel like he's hit sort of all of the... He's been a gun. Right. Nobunaga. Yeah, it's just... They keep doing it. Then this one is, I thought, I thought this was supposed to come out uh, last season, but this is RoboMasters, the animated series, which is based on the the real-life robotics uh, championship RoboMasters. And I just thought at the time that, you know, it seems cool that they're putting a focus on sort of this, like, low-level robotics stuff and the way that it actually, you know, is in the world and the way that they build these things and, you know, the people who are in it. Which seems cool, and I'm just like, again, that's just not what I'm looking for right now, but it's a cool thing that exists, and I'm glad that this sort of, like, subject matter is being tackled as, like, you know, mecha in a way, but, like, at the lowest level, at the, the, the you know, plausible and, you know, believable level. 
it would probably be more worth a watch if there weren't too many good other things coming out this season. Yeah, God, th- this season really just seems packed. And then we have um, Suki Pro, the animation, which is a boy idol thing, I think based on uh, some multimedia project uh, called Suki Pro. And, you know, there's boy idols. Same with Idol Master Side M, also boy idols. But that one's attached to a popular franchise. Yeah. Then this is one that didn't have uh, a translated title by the time we got to it, but it's uh, Itsudate Bokura no Koi Ten Senti Data, which is a six episode, like, retelling of a series of, like, um, narrative songs uh, by a Vocaloid band. And this is the same band that's gotten, I think, two movies based off of their songs previously, uh, which have come out in the last year. And, like, I guess this one's doing well enough to get, like, a franchise going off of it, which is nice. And I think maybe not tying it into more, like, esoteric sort of, like, fighting stuff, like Black Rock Rock Shooter or um, the Kagero Project might help that. But, you know, it's just... It, it, it is really more like a curiosity at this point than anything else. It's neat that this keeps existing, like people keep trying to make things based off of um, Vocaloid songs. Maybe one day they'll be successful. Yeah, th- this seems like the closest it's been, right next to Black Rock Shooter. Maybe people will like this one. Uh, then we have um, Dynamic Chord, which is Boy Idols, again. Boy bands instead of boy idols. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Boy bands. I apologize. They play instruments. So you're right. Uh, then we have this is a weird revival. Um, it's Pingu in the city, and Pingu originally I is a was a European um, claymation cartoon uh, about uh, a, about a penguin. He goes newt newt. Everyone loves him, and this is just. Polygon Pictures, I guess, has picked up this license from wherever it is and decided to make another full series about Pingu, who moves to, like, a big city and learns about all of the jobs in it. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, it's a nice thing. And again, it's just kind of weird that, like, of all the franchises to get picked up, like, Pingu? Ah. This just seems weird. But yeah, like, hey, good on him. Maybe they realize all the meme gifts of them. Yeah, I mean, Pingu's gotten pretty popular as a meme. Maybe they can bring him back. People can have more newt newts. <laughs> uh, then we have uh, Xi'an Ping uh, Jiating, or Frankenstein Family, which is based on a digital manhwa about this guy who has like, taken his family and all done like weird genetic experiments on them, and then he gets arrested. So it's left to his son to take care of the family, which is full of sort of, like, wacky characters who have weird, like, genetic oddities to them, like wings or tentacles growing out of their back and stuff. Which, like, I mean, sure, but, man, maybe they'll make a good manhwa adaptation, too, one day. Maybe. Like, it feels like manhwas always get, like, like, the lower-rung sort of, like, studios and stuff. And I'd like to see that, you know, get better. Because I think there 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 has to be, like, good manhwa out there. And maybe we're just not seeing it. 
And then, as far as things that I, I think are going to get picked up, the last one is all of the sequels. All of them. So we're just going to, real fast, Himoto Umaru-chan R, second season about a horrible gamer goblin. Never watched the first one. People liked it, though. It's got lots of good gifts. It does have a lot of good gifts of the horrible gremlin uh, Umaru. Then we have Love Kome, We Love Rice Season 2. They love rice. How did it get a second season? Who knows? <laughs> then we have Love Live Sunshine Season 2. Even though I watched the first one, like, I'm not, I, I need a break from idols. I've watched too many idol things recently. And by that, I mean, like, last year. But I just need a, I need a break. Uh, Yuki Yuna is a Hero Season 2, which I think is supposed to be, like, half prequel, half sequel to the original series. I didn't watch it. It's what everyone claims is, like, the first real, like, Madoka-like so, I mean, there's an audience there. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing it's a Madoka derivative. Yeah, I don't know how true that is, but hey. Uh, time Bokon 24, Season 2. It's a dumb, like, time travel through history kids series. We have Wake Up Girls Shin Show, which is another idol thing. The only thing I know about this one is that it's not helmed by the original creator who... This seems, it, for all intents and purposes, like a major D-bag, so maybe that's for the best? That sounds like it's for the best. And then we have Classicaloid Season 2. I don't know why that got a second season. Did you make it through the whole first season? I did not. I made it about halfway through and then I just stopped caring because it just got really derivative. Yeah, I felt that way pretty early on where it's like, oh, all the jokes are going to be the same, aren't they? Mm, and I didn't go back and I can't believe it's getting a second season. Me either. That seems wild to me. Like, it's gonna have, like, 50 episodes by the end of all this, and that just seems nuts. Then we have uh, Cardfight Vanguard GZ, which I think is the fifth season of Cardfight Vanguard G. Yep. Then we have Osamatsu-san Season 2. I guess Osamatsu-san's coming back, which means it's fandoms coming back in full force, baby. All the horrible gremlins have been unleashed. Ugh, it's right. Six John Arbuckles, they're back. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, bigger and maybe better than you've ever seen them? Who, buddy? I can't believe it came back. I mean, it had to. It was so big. Yeah. Look, if they're gonna sell six individual PlayStation Vitas, all with different brothers on them, they did well enough to deserve a season two. Holy shit, I did not know that. That came with, like, a special edition of the dating game where you can date the... Os- who wants to date the Osamatsu dudes? Like, even if you find it funny, none of them look dateable or read as dateable. Look, someone really wants to fuck John Arbuckle. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We don't know who it is, but we'll find them. <laughs> we'll stop them. Um, and so the last one is uh, Gintama Period. That's how they're differentiating it. And man... I keep thinking about getting into Gintama because people really like it and people think it's really funny. And also it's got 300 episodes, like 400 episodes something. Yeah, it's so backloaded. It's it's way too much. But I think Gintama the manga is reaching its end. So I'm assuming that this anime is going to get closer to that with kind of the plot finally coming together in full force. Weird to see another... Um, a Shonen Jump thing come to an end that's lasted since what, like 2003? It's been a while. Yeah, it's it's a long runner. Yeah. So, Morgan Tama. 
And then we reach um, the poo-poo garbage list, which starts out with sort of a... This one I'm not entirely sure about. I feel like I don't know enough to make a real judgment call about it, but everything about it sets off these red flags in my mind. This is DS Irae, I believe it's pronounced. Um, and it's about uh, this guy in Tokyo who ends up having superpowers and has to fight against an army of Nazi wizards who... It, at, like at the end of World War II used some kind of like magic devil circle to make them all like immortal superhumans like vampires and stuff and like it comes off as very like Helsing but not campy which is like a weird idea to think about because like I feel like that just gives sort of like more credence to the villains, whereas, like, Helsing was so over-the-top to sort of, like, avoid making any of the Nazis look cool. And Helsing was kind of at its worst with the Nazi thing anyways. I think it was always cooler when it was, like, vampire versus priest kind of stuff, like, difference of ideals rather than this weird, like, Fourth Reich kind of thing. So I... And, like, I, I know it's, like, a visual novel that people really seem to like, but, like... I know at least in one case you can, like, date one of the Nazi wizards. It's just, like, so many of these things give across this, like, red flag of content that, like, it would take a lot to convince me that this is good. And maybe it is. I just don't know enough about it. I don't have the 200 hours to spend reading the goddamn thing. It's apparently really long. It's also in English. Yeah, it did finally come out in English, and, like... The fan reaction is sort of the only thing that makes me think, oh, maybe this is okay, unless the fans are just, like, all horrible monsters, where, like, the reason this anime exists is because they kickstarted it, and the reason that an English translation exists is because they kickstarted it. Like, the fan reaction has been so big, and people have wanted this so much, it's, like, weird to think about, and I just, I just don't know. I can't make, I can't make a judgment call saying it's good, but I feel... A little more comfortable saying it's probably bad. It's weird. Yeah, and then we get to the things that are uh, obviously bad. Okay, so this is- I, I think I put these in sort of descending order of badness, so we start out with the least bad one. This is Blendess, and Blendess is about a girl, I guess, who starts working at a maid cafe where all of the waitresses have to do, like, this weird S&M play with the- with the, the, the people who come to it. They all have to become terrible anime tropes. Right, and so, like, ugh, ugh, ugh. But I think they specify that she ends up being, like, you know, the, 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 the dom to someone's sub or something. It's just, mm. Yeah, she's supposed to be the extreme sadist. <sighs> Then we have, uh, then we have my, this great sentence, my girlfriend is a virgin who takes being slutty too seriously. <laughs> Which, like, man, you really, really put that out there. It's, um, it's a comedy romance story about a guy who, uh, who confesses to the, this class representative, you know, who's cool and he's lame, and she, doesn't understand anything about dating, so she constantly suggests doing, like, 
extremely sexual things, I guess, is the is like the joke is that she constantly like goes over the top and like stop that. Cut that shit out. Like don't need this. No. No. Like it doesn't help that like the preview picture they're using now is a very clearly like someone daring her to like suck off a banana. Cut that shit out. I don't cut that. Ugh. Then we have this one, which seems like it's gonna be sort of a short that ends up having no one pay attention to it, like that um that that sexy priest anime from earlier this year. But this one also doesn't have um uh, an English title for it yet, but it's like Omiai Aite wa Oshiego Suyoki na Mondaiji, which is about um uh, a female teacher who ends up in an arranged marriage with one of her students who is like like kind of creepily devoted to her and tries to like I don't know like make her uncomfortable with his affection and it's just like there are too many lines getting crossed here like the student teacher relationship and sort of this weird like pursual kind of thing going on as like subtext that like cut that shit out just mm, don't mm. it's bad time bad time don't do that and then the last one is, uh, th- I guess this. I guess this year needed two Arrow Manga Senseis because this is what is it localized? This is bad. If it'd be good if only Little Sister was here. The highest level of garbage. Oh, it's uh, from the title. Cut that. Mm. It's it's about a light novelist. Who's a siscon, and he's they got friends who help him with his lights. Not don't. Mm, I don't even want to fuck it. Oh, Christ! Oh, cut that shit out. We didn't need two of these in one year. Please, please don't do this. <laughs> and I think what's fucked up about this. Is this, like, even one step above Aromanga Sensei? Where Aromanga Sensei, the reveal's like, oh, I guess they're, like, step step-siblings or something. They're not actually related. This one just seems full-on, yeah, they're related. They're doing it. They're... Whole hog, go for it. <laughs> like, no, Jesus Christ. It looks like it's it's step-sibling again. Uh, either way, it's just, mm, it's just, no, don't, don't do that. Just cut that shit out. We don't... We don't need more of these. We don't Ugh. need to encourage those people anymore. Yeah, it's... It's just... Uh, it's no good. And, like, even the style and everything about the art and that, like, really feels like it's cribbing off of that, like, A1 Pictures style that they've used for, like, Ori Emo and Aromanga Sensei. Like, everything about it just feels like so derivative and yet worse because I feel like it's just so much more upfront about it. Ugh. It's just, ugh, bleh, ugh. Throw that shit in the garbage. But yeah, that's next season. <laughs> Despite this handful of like really, like it feels like really aggressively bad shows in comparison to some of the stuff from earlier and the way that it handles stuff like there's there's still just a lot of good stuff i think and like even the stuff we're not interested in clearly 
people are going to be way excited about. You know, your love lives, your Gintamas, your your Osamatsus, like things like that. There's just it seems like this is a real like fan favorite kind of season where there's just tons and tons of stuff coming out uh, that people are looking forward to. Some big name adaptations, you know, some some revivals of stuff and like you know writers that are popular coming through. Like it's it seems cool. Yeah, I'm I'm look pretty excited for a lot of stuff that next season. Yeah, this this season looks way cool. Like again, I had to kind of like pick and choose a little more carefully the things I wanted to start watching because I was like, oh, there's so many things that seem interesting that might be a cool idea. But like, yeah, I I'm really excited to see what the season has because if nothing else, I think like Kino's journey, March comes in like a lion. And, like, I don't know, like, Ancient Mages Bride already are, like, a th- three really strong adaptations that are going to, like, really get big. It feels that way. You know, there's some really big-name stuff, and, like, you know, this this new Garo thing, Kekai Sensen's coming back. Nisio Isen's doing another anime. Now that I think Monogatari is, like, done and done, like... I think I think that whole thing's over. So Nisio Eason's got this new thing he's doing. It's it's cool, you know. It's a cool season, just like chock full of interesting looking stuff. Yeah, I there's a lot of I'm I'm excited for the wild ride that is going to be next anime season. Yeah, like it 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 does seem like sort of the best of the seasons. Kind of like it's really like given us the most that we can ask for. It's it's cool. I I like it. And yeah, that's 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 looking like fall. Again, it's like it seems like a really strong end to the year that might really like shake up sort of my initial impressions for like AODs and stuff because I felt like I had like a like a decently solid list going into this, but like now it's like oh well, all of these things might just like completely overshadow, you know, series from before that I was way into. So, we'll have to wait and see, but I'm I'm really excited for this one in a way that I don't know if I've been excited the rest of the year in the same way. Yeah, but that's uh, that's our preview episode for Coco Disaster. Um, if you feel like maybe we we like wrote something off that you know about that's like could be really cool, you can either tweet at us at, at Coco underscore disaster, or you can send an email to sort of the, the, the Coco Disaster email repository, which is chorpsawaysa, C-H-O-R-P-S-A-W-A-Y-S-A, at gmail.com. Or you can throw it in our fan Discord, which I guess I made over the season. Uh, if you go to our Twitter, you can see our Discord. You can hop in. And it's, that's actually pretty slow, all things considered which is occasional discussion, so it's pretty easy, kind of low-maintenance thing. But if you have any things you want to send in for the show, you can send them in there. And, you know, this podcast is available on all your favorite podcast feeds, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you want to get your RSS feed from. And, you know what, if you like us, leave a review. If you don't like us, please don't. I feel bad. Um, I'm already, you know, I am already have, like, self-confidence issues. I don't need you guys just playing into that. So only only nice reviews, please. And yeah, like, you know, we're doing Coco Disaster. You can find us at CocoDisaster.com, where we have sort of the new episodes. We have all the places that you can find our content. You can find us 
on Tumblr at vanilla-blessing.tumblr.com, where me and friend of the show, QB, occasionally just, like, kind of write something uh, on a whim if we find something interesting about a show that we want to focus on. And, yeah, where, uh, where can they find you on the internet, Zane? Yeah, they can find me at Twitter, on, at, at ZaneZero, X-A-I-N-Z-E-R-O. That's, that's me. Hey, hi. <laughs> and then I'm on Twitter as well, at Chorpsaway, C-H-O-R-P-S-A-W-A-Y. Um, yeah, and so uh, next time we get together, it will be in a couple weeks, and we will be discussing the end of the summer season only a couple of shows left to give the final episodes for and it's i think this this last season ended up shaping up to have like a a lot of pretty good shows out of it like i didn't i wasn't excited for all these going in but like i think some of these really turned out good yeah there were a lot of good shows some of them may have ended on a wet fart (laughs) yeah look it there you know there's all different kinds but there were some good shows, there were some baffling shows, there were some bad shows, and we'll talk about all of the ones we watched next time when you join us for Coco Disaster. I've been Shorps Away. And I've been Zane Zero. Sweet dreams. <laughs> <laughs>